Well, this morning we've got Mr. Zander back for part two here in his section of Colossians. So let's welcome back Mr. Zander. Christ, you died 
to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So you may be seated, and if you would, please pray with me. Father in heaven, what we do not know, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, kindly make us for your son's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my title. It's very simple. I don't have a slide for it. That's the only slide I have, sorry. Uh, here's, here's the title. It's, it's math. So this is a note to the math department to get in their good graces before the Hawaiian vacation. Uh, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, but... Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what we're going to do, we're going to tackle these a paragraph at a time. And, and I need you to really track in. This is a bit harder to follow. It's way harder than last week. Uh, just, this is so hard. So I need you to really pay attention because we finally get to the heart of the teaching that was so destructive. Finally get there. Remember again what we've been dealing with. False teaching that is demonic, up against being filled in Christ, being complete in Christ, and the sufficiency that is only found in Christ. So let's look at verses 16 through 19. Here's the outline. Here's the outline we're going to follow. I want you to think through this with me. It's, it's under mainly two headings, and then the second heading is two headings underneath it. So heading number one, and, and these are your questions for you, Bruce, by the way. What is the orientation or the center of your life? And that's going to be verses 16 and 17. What is the orientation or the center of your life? 16 and 17. 18 through 23, then, we're going to tackle what is the method of growth in your life? So, 16 and 17, what is the orientation of the center of your life? 18 through 23, what is the method of growth in your life? Under that second heading, so hopefully you're following with me. Under that second heading, what is the method of growth in your life? Verses 18 and 19 are going to be, and I've got a little bit alliterative, perilous pursuits. Or complete in Christ. Perilous pursuits or complete in Christ. And then in verses 20 through 23, the futility of man-made religion. The futility of man-made religion. So again, what is the orientation and center of your life? 16 and 17, 18 through 23, what is the method of growth in your life? 2A. Verses 18 and 19, perilous pursuits are complete in Christ. 20 through 23, the futility of man-made religion. 
So let's look at that first heading. So we're back in verses 16 and 17. And the question I want to gather thoughts around here is, what is the orientation of the center of your life? And let's look at verse 16 first. Paul says, therefore, and the therefore is therefore because of all this stuff here. Then again, just from the time to, to go back. So it's up there. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What, what, what Paul is getting at there, in every single one of those things, they have to do with orientation around Jewish law. Food, drink, um, uh, festival, new moon, Sabbath, holy days. And so what the, the false teacher is trying to deceive them with is the idea that, hey, come back into bondage to a legalistic system. Come back to this. Come back to this. Orient yourself around this. Get yourself here, in this circle, in this center, with this orientation. And, and here's the deal. He's, he's saying, hey, go back to the Old Testament law. And that law, if you look in, in verse or number 9, verse 14, that debt was completely wiped away. It's forgiven. Why would you go back? And that's what Paul's saying. It's like, duh! So the false teacher comes in and says, Christ is not enough. He's just not. You need something else in addition to him. You must do something, or you must not do something, in addition to what Christ has done. And so he's insisting on these things. Food, drink, festivals, new moon, Sabbath. These things were ways that Jewish people oriented themselves. It's the center of their life. And if you look down verse 17, guess what? They were all fulfilled in Christ. And that's what Paul gets at. So look at verse 17 with me. This is Paul's response. These, so all of those things in verse 16, these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. So uh, I just want to hit these things. Firstly, these things are a shadow. They are a shadow. Secondly, the substance or the body is Christ. So shadow or Christ. So firstly, as you look at verse 17, Paul says they are a shadow. They're a shadow. And remember when you read it, you can also interpret through the lens of Christ. Christ is the center of the Bible. And, and what Paul is saying is, why would you orient your life around a shadow? Why would you do it? Everything in the Old Testament was not an end in itself. It inevitably pointed forward to Christ. So it's all about Christ. Second, the substance is Christ. The substance is His. The body is His. And it's just, it's, it's just like Paul is screaming out. I don't think he's as, as just mentally messed up as he was in Galatians, befuddled by, by this root, but he is befuddled by this root. It's, it's like he's screaming out, hey! Hey! Why would you worship the shadow? You've got the real thing here! Why? Why, oh why 
go chase a shadow. It's just foolish. And thus, off the back of last week, and with the first two verses in my mind, you not see what happens. Anytime you add anything to Christ, you get nothing. You get nothing. Oh. But when you have Christ, you have everything. You just have everything. You just have everything. And so I just love the fact of saying, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. Can you sing that? I mean, sing it! I don't just mean voice. I mean, sing it! Can you? So here's the question, another question for you as you think about these groups. Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough? Students, NC, faculty, Zaina, is Christ enough? Is Christ enough for us? We need something else to make us right before a holy God. We need something else to fill your life. And so, the question I want to ask you is, what's the orientation of your life? What's the center of your life? These are hard questions. This is tough on Hebrew readers. Is it Christ? Is your life seriously centered on Christ? Or are you centered on the shadow? So, and see, I'm just desperate. I'm desperate for you. Oh, the, the God would just move in this place. I, I, Oh, the young men would grow up in the fullness of the manhood that we are called to be in Christ, that our ladies would grow up in the fullness of the woman that God has made them. Oh, that he would move, and that dead hearts would be made alive, and that cold hearts to the gospel and to Christ would be given new breath. And so we dive into the next portion of this paragraph, and this section is under the heading, What is the method of growth in your life? So we're in verse 18 now. So what is the method of growth in your life? Verse 18. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. And what I want you to do real quick before we dive into verse 18, I just want you to see the parallels between 16 and 18. In 16, you have let no one cast judgment on you. In 18, you have not let no one disqualify you. In 16, you have questions of blank. In 18, you have insisting on blank. And so Paul is using repetition here to prove a point. And the point is basically this. The false teacher comes in as Satan does. He comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy that's his entire M.O. That's what he wants to do. And he might sound very appealing. There's even a word in there that, that sounds like seduction, and I'm going to seduce you. But the end result is he's driving you further away from Christ. And so seniors, as you go out of here, juniors, as you leave here eventually, and you're out on your own, ask yourself as you go into a church, does the pastor drive me to Christ or does the pastor drive me to the pastor? Does the pastor drive me somewhere else? That's not Christ. Preach Christ. You want somebody to preach Christ to you. 
So what's that in the text? If you, if you look, the word disqualify in verse 18 can also mean defraud you, rob you, beguile you. Points us back to verse 8. Uh, uh, see to it that no one takes you captive, that idea of robbery. Points us back, it's just linking to this. Don't let them seduce you, don't let them plunder you. Paul is eager to see them grow. And don't go this way. He just screamed, don't go, don't go this way. Don't go that way. And so I want to walk through the ways that the false teacher was seducing them. And I want to compare it to verse 19, which is the linchpin. And then I want to make application of us today, and then we'll go on to verses 20 through 23. So, first and foremost, asceticism. That word asceticism in verse 18, insisting on asceticism. In your Bibles, feel free to write, because this is what the Greek means. Uh, voluntary humility. Voluntary humility. Because now it will make a little bit more sense. Make a little bit more sense. So voluntary humility... And what you need to know is it's, it's false humility. This isn't true humility. This is false humility. This is fakery. It's false. And the false humility then leads to, look at it, worship of angels. Worship of angels. So the idea was, and we need to get this, this is, this is the idea, instead of going to Christ, for forgiveness. Go to another intermediary. Go to an angel. That shows how humble you are. Because Christ doesn't want to hear of your sin. Go to an angel instead. Voluntarily humble yourself and go to an angel instead of Christ. Look at how pious you look. Look at how humble you look. Matthew Henry writes, it looked like humility to apply to angels, as if men were conscious of their sorry, were conscious of their unworthiness to speak directly to God. There really was pride in the seeming humility. Those who worship angels disclaim Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man. It is an insult to Christ, who is the head of the church, to use any intercessors with men. It means him. Secondly, they go on detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. And this is a super hard phrase. This is so hard. This phrase is so hard. The commentators couldn't come to an agreement. This was a hard one. But, but what I think is happening is this false teacher was seeing visions, or at least was proclaiming that he was seeing visions. And therefore, he was going on in detail about these visions of, of what God has shown him. And it could have some mysticalness to it. It could have some paganness to it as well. So it might even be demonic visions. But otherwise, it's just visions. So I have this vision that God has given me. And then look at what it leads to. It leads to him being puffed up. So this false humility at the beginning of the verse at the end of the verse, this dude's all puffed up. Look at all these visions. Look at all these details. Look at all this stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, that is not even real. This guy is a fraud. He is a fake. 
There's no reason. There's no thinking. He's led by a sensuous mind, and that's where his mind truly is. His own sensuality. His own... Yeah. Verse 19. Verse 19 gives us our hope. Here's our hope. And this is the heading. Complete in Christ. The first thing is just peril. Peril. Run. Run from this. Find your completeness in Christ. Now moving fast to the head. From whom the whole body nourished and together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So the head is Christ. It's a capital H. So here's the deal. False teacher seduces people through false humility. His worship of angels instead of worship of Christ and his braggadocio of the visions he sees. Yet for Paul, how do we grow? You hold fast to the head. You hold fast to Christ. Look at what Christ does for us. This is awesome. He nourishes us. He knits us together. He grows us with a growth that is from God. And again, it's like, duh! How foolish are we? How foolish are we? Here is Christ. His joy is to grow you. His joy is to nourish you. His joy is to knit you together, to make you a whole person in Him. And what do we do? Nah. Angels. Nah. Visions. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Nah. I'll find my own. So let's apply verses 18 and 19 in the following way for us. Just want you to think, how is your growth in Christ? How is your growth in Christ? Remember, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the one, folks. He's the one who nourishes us. He is the one who supplies us. Every need that we have. He joins us together. He's, it's unbelievable. He grows us. He increases us. This is what he does. So let's compare that to verse 18 and let's just track this for today. In any religion where they tell you to go to a man or someone else to get forgiveness, so I have to go to a priest, I have to go to this, I have to go there, I gotta go through Mary, I gotta go through saints, I gotta go through Buddha, I gotta go through anything else. I'm missing Christ. I'm missing Christ. He's the head. He's the head. He's your source of growth. First Timothy 2 5. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You can go nowhere else. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. My favorite, I do this a lot. Well, I'm not in there, so I gotta clean myself up before I go before Christ. 
Here's the fountain of living waters who nourishes us, knits us together, and grows us. And we want to turn somewhere else. We want to turn to ourselves. Oh, keep looking if we look at the rest of verse 18. Going on and on about visions. So because Christ is not enough. Christ is not enough. I have to have a vision. I have to have a mountaintop experience. I have to have something extra biblical to give me unity with God that I cannot get through Christ in His Word. I need all the feelings. I need the mountaintop experiences. And I go like a crackhead to the next fix. Emotion after emotion after emotion after emotion. Realizing all the time the emotion is all about me and not about Christ. Not about Christ. And so, NC students, please don't hear what I'm not saying. There is emotion. Are you kidding me? There is joy overwhelming when you realize that God saved you. All of that stuff that we went through last week, when you realize what God has done for you in Christ, He saved you a dead sinner full of wickedness, and he brings new life in you, oh, there's joy! But it's not led by emotion. It is led by truth. It is led by Christ. Hopefully you're tracking. I'm going to finish up here. In the uh, last paragraph, 20 through 23, and I want to put this under the heading of the futility of man-made religion. This is futile. This is so dumb. I'll say that. In light of the fact that Christ is the head, verse 19, in light of the fact that he is the one who nourishes us, knits us together, and grows us, then Paul goes into the idea of futility of man-made religions. Look, look, at, look at verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? You died. You're dead. Why would you still submit to them? That's what Paul's saying. You're a dead man to these. Don't go there. Why would you live there? We're dead to this world. We are dead to this world. Why do we love ourselves? Why? I said it last time, but bears repeating. This world has nothing for us. That last word in the verse, regulations in the ESV, it includes the very word that Paul said was nailed to the cross in verse 14. That written instruction, the written decrees. And I just hear Paul say, why, oh why would you submit yourself to the decrees and laws that killed you and were nailed to the cross? Why would you do that? Verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And this is what the false teacher was likely saying. Do not handle, don't taste, don't touch. And hear this loud and clear. Salvation is not what you don't do. That's not what salvation is. That's not what Christianity is. Well, I don't do this and I do do that and I don't... No! Salvation is not a matter of eating or drinking. It is a matter. It is not a matter of 
handling and not handling specific things. Salvation is in Christ and in Him alone. Look at verse 22. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. And again, these teachings, where are they from? What's the source? Human precepts and teachings and not according to Christ. And back again, you go to verse 8. This is exactly what Paul was warning them against in verse 8. Exactly. The demonic realm of philosophy is seen in human tradition. This is demonic. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Verse 23. These indeed have a, an appearance of wisdom. And contrast that. We don't have enough time. Contrast uh, verse 23 against uh, verses 2 and 3. The wisdom of the Son of Christ in promoting self-made religion, which is will worship, and asceticism and severity to the body. Starve yourself for Jesus. Beat yourself for Christ. But there are no value of stopping the indulgence of the flesh. No help you at all. So here's the problem, folks. They don't stop the indulgence of the flesh. They cannot. They cannot. Will religion cannot. It is futile. And so again, we are where we start. You have a fountain of living water saying, come to me. And we say, no thank you, I'll do it myself. I want you to think of it this way and we'll wrap this up. You're, you're driving a bus. And we're going to Kansas City. But we're going to Branson. You end up in a ditch in a lot of mud. And you as the driver step out and you try to push that bus out of the ditch, out of the mud. And you can't do it. And you just keep trying and trying and trying. And you wear yourself out trying. But you don't realize Superman is in the bus. And with a little flick of his finger, the bus is out. That's what we are, folks. When we try to do this all on our own, it's all based on me and what I can do. We are no better than the bus driver who looks at Superman and says, nah, I got this. I got this. I'll move the bus by myself. I'm on. So ultimately, folks, here's what you have. You have Christ-centered, Christ-enabled, Christ-exalting growth where you have nothing. And chapter 3 and chapter 4 is going to walk you through what Christ-centered growth looks like. And next week is chock full of ways, but that's for Pastor Sean and not for me. So let me close with this. Paul has made this clear, and so with the authority of the Bible, I want to challenge you with this. And see, seek Christ in shadows. And see, do not run to any other intermediary. You run to Christ. And see, do not chase your fickle feelings. You pursue Christ. And see, your real religion cannot stop you from sinning. Only spirit-led conformity to Christ. Nebraska Christian, this is not rocket science. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is what Jesus says. First Peter, first Peter, oh no, first Peter, two seconds. Second Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things 
that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Everything you need is in Christ. Everything. His provision for you in His Word, and His provision for you in prayer, and His provision for you in hearing sound preaching, and His provision for you in fellowship, and His provision for you in singing Christ-exalting songs, and in sitting down over lunch with a friend and asking him, how are you doing with your walk? Those are the means of growth that He has given us. You and see my last chapter, Hold fast to Christ because He is holding fast to you. No? Yeah. Uh, we're going to sing a song last chapter. He's going to come up. And uh, may this be the fuel, this reality, this song. This song, may it be the fuel that drives you. May you come in this long after you forget the song. So let me pray. Lord God, we are thankful.